Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Welcome, everybody, to the Family Biz Show. I am your host, Michael Columbus, with Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. And you and I are in for a treat. We've got Lisa and Jay Daniel joining us from the LodgeCast Iron um, family. And I meant to grab my pan, Jay and Lisa. I'm really sorry. I was going to show it to everybody. I love, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm, I love my LodgeCast Iron. Um, because I learned, I finally learned how to season it and I learned how to clean it. And I actually, I'm thinking might be one of the few people that really loves cleaning it with salt and just my hand going in there. My wife's like, oh, I can't believe you enjoy doing this, but I love it. I love it. It's uh, so um, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having us. And yeah. we love that you love your Lodge products. That's we never, so ever get tired of hearing that. And it seems like everybody who gets their hands on cast iron cookware has uh, kind of a personal experience, personal story to share. And we never get tired of hearing those. It's Good. fantastic. <laughs> I, I loved it so much that I have three now. Um, and I have them, you know, so that I can use them in other ways. I have mm -hmm. this, whatever, I, I have a way that I cook chicken. And, uh, and and it works best in the lodge cast iron because I get a nice seal on it and uh -huh. it just cooks it and uh, keeps all the juices in. We're not here to talk about that. But, but we <laughs> I am hungry. I should warn you, Michael. I am hungry. <laughs> so why don't we, you know, what I've learned is that people are, are, they are drawn to the family business in different ways and different path, you know, pathways. It's not always a straight line. And if I'm not mistaken, it's not a straight line for either of you. Um, so talk about that a little bit, uh, if you don't mind. And sure. I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll jump in and go first. So um, my mother and household that I was brought up in, the business, uh, the cast iron foundry, uh, was always a part of the fabric of, of the family. Um, my grandfather, mother's side, was president of the company for a period of years. And, um, you know, we would take summer vacations from where we lived at the time in Pennsylvania. We'd go back to, you know, the family roost in South Pittsburgh, and we'd have a chance to tour through the foundry and, and see what it was all about. So from the times that, that I was very little, so the time I was a teenager, uh, I actually received my first couple of shares, started attending meetings. At the meetings, you have opportunities to ask questions of the executives. And, and at the time, a lot of the executives were cousins and, and uncles. And, and so um, eventually one night, I think it was about 2006, I got a phone call. They said, Jay, we're interested in, in including uh, some folks from your generation. And I'm in the fifth generation of Lodge Kellerman family. And they said, we're, you know, looking around at you and we're looking around at your cousins. We see you've started and successfully operated your own business for a period of time. 
we'd be interested if uh, you might like to be one of our candidates for the board of directors. I didn't hesitate, uh, filled out, updated my CV, got it to them the next day and was elected that June. And, uh, and it's, it's, been, it's been a wild ride. Uh, I, I like to think that I am contributing now uh, at least as much as I'm taking away, but I would, I would be the first one to admit uh, in those early years, I would say probably from about 2006 to maybe 2011, 2012, I was mostly there getting an education, learning and listening and uh, forming my own opinions. And, and it takes a little bit of time, but uh, now I, I think I'm at, a, I'm at a place where I've earned my spot at the table and I'm, I'm contributing. Great. I appreciate that, Jay. Lisa, tell us yeah. about your, your journey thus far. So my journey, um, I grew up in a, a very large family in rural Pennsylvania. And unlike a lot of your listeners, I wasn't born into a, a family business, but I, I like to joke that I was born into the business of family. Um, my mom uh, is the most incredible selfless person that I know. And she made it her business to ensure that all nine of her kids grew up confident that they could do anything that they wanted in their life. And, you know, she, she made sure we knew the role that we all played in each other's success. So um, connecting each other was just her passion and, and that has followed through with me. Um, my introduction to Lodge Cast Iron was uh, Jay and I got married in 1994 in Pennsylvania and I had become close with his mom and his brother but I hadn't yet met this whole giant extended lodge family. And so on my wedding day in Pennsylvania, a bunch <laughs> of uncles drove up in a pickup truck and delivered me my first set of cast iron cookware. And I was instantly hooked on the cast iron and, and the family too. Um, the, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, that was just, um, was what I was used to, big family. It was, you know, I loved it. I loved that Jay's family shared that with my family that they were all connected. Um, so my first actual introduction to the foundries and the, the extended family in Tennessee was in 1996, shortly after our, our wedding. Um, we went there and it happened to coincide with the 100 year celebration of the company. So what a great time to come and see all the people and what they were doing and meet everyone. Um, and the, the family gets together every year still to this day. And, you know, that's that for a long time, that was my um, commitment to Lodge was just kind of out there on the periphery. I went to the annual family meetings and I talked to people and I met with people, but I wasn't involved in any meaningful way with the, the business. Um, where my involvement came about was about uh, five years ago, the company came up with the idea of doing a family council. And uh, that coincided with the time where our own kids were going off to college and I had a little bit of um, extra time. And so I have really enjoyed um, committing some of my time to these projects that we've done with the family council that we'll kind of touch on a little bit. Um, so for me, it was definitely more of a winding path. Um, you know, we also, Jay mentioned our, our own business that we founded about uh, a little over 20 years ago. That was, a, you know, a very a direct path. It's a, it's a family-owned business. It's here in Sarasota, Florida. We do uh, spend a lot of our time doing that, but it's been, um, like Jay mentioned, a great learning experience for us. Um, I think it's interesting for us that we have, you know, a small business on one side and this great giant lodge business on the other side that we're kind of navigating through our lives daily. 
make sure you mention the name of your business. <laughs> uh, yep, Integrate <laughs> Systems. It's a technology services company. Great. And, and, and I do think it's, it's pretty phenomenal how, you know, the two of you have like both sides of the coin. You know, we are the mom and pop, small business, doing our thing. And then on the other side, you've got this huge company that, you know, is extended family members with extended owners and board of directors and just uh, a, a national, you know, international touch probably at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so Jay, so. you're at South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, 1877 is when, you know, things kind of kicked off with Joseph Lodge. Do you mind just giving, you know, I, I, I know we could talk for four hours about the whole history and everything, but maybe some of the highlights or stories or things that were passed on to you through the years to how we got to where we are today. And then, you know, the vast majority of the time, so everybody knows we're going to be talking about family councils and the importance of family councils as we're going into this. Sure, sure. So um, I, I won't bore you with dates and, and details, but the, the short version is... Um, my great-great-grandfather, Joseph Lodge, kind of fell in love with the area. Um, we had a waterway there. There was nearby rail system. There was, there was lots of, there were resources there that made it a very attractive spot to try to open a business, specifically an industrial business. He was an industrialist uh, by every measure. He'd traveled to South America. He'd worked with steam locomotives. He'd done a, a lot of really great things but uh, started the original foundry, um, named it for his pastor, a uh, gentleman named Blacklock. So the original foundry had the Blacklock name. Uh, about 10 years into it, it burned to the ground. And uh, rather than you know, pack it up and try something else, they simply reinvested and rebuilt the foundry, and this time under the name Lodge Manufacturing. Probably worth pointing out, we weren't always cookware. Uh, used to be just whatever you needed, cast iron. Uh, if we could mold it and pour it, it was it was for sale. You know, that's that's what kept us running. And we talk about you know the little business and the big business um, and all these different differences through generations. I think probably the primary piece that's at the heart of it is the the culture, that company culture. And that's something that scales up, it scales down, and it moves seamlessly through generations. Uh, and when I talk about the culture at Lodge, what I talk about really there is a commitment to the employees and the team. It's a commitment to doing it as best as we can, recognizing that we're going to make mistakes, but we're gonna learn from those mistakes reinvesting in the company, reinvesting in the community. And those are things that I think are very consistent across every generation of Lodge. And they're things that were embedded in my DNA, my business DNA, as it were, when Lisa and I went to launch our own business. So those are things that I'd like to think, you know, people would say about our company as well. We've had, uh, we've had a good run of it on both ends. And it comes down to that, that culture, I think, that you, that you build. What are, what's, what are the priorities? What are we really trying to do here? And it isn't just the bottom line. And I think in a lot of family businesses, you'll find that's often the case. It's really more about who we are as a family. And can, is this something that we're doing that's worth doing? Is it something we can be proud of? Is it something our, our neighbors and our, our friends can be proud of along with us? So that's, that's the story I would share. Love it. Go ahead, Lisa. And, and then I would also add to that, um, throughout all of the years, the, the company has been manned um, by 
some incredible, you know, men in the lodge family um, at the helm of the business, and um, they've all done a, a, a phenomenal job, um, you know, just with growth throughout the years. But um, where we tie that into a family council is about, uh, you know, five to 10 years ago, they recognized the need for some serious succession planning and the fact that there, you know, might be a time where the family would not be at the direct um, helm of the company. And so, um, that's when they formed the family council. And um, a lot of times I talk to people about family councils and they talk about um, having some family business advisor come in who recommends it because they have some arguments or disagreements in the family. But the best, best time to do this is to do it when you don't need it. Um, you know, when you haven't thought about it yet, if you're hearing this and everything's running great, start a family council if you don't have one. Um, so, uh, we are at that point now, the, the CEO of the company for the first time in you know, 100, over 120 years um, is now a non-family CEO. And it's incredibly important that we have some communication structures in place that the family council brings. Love it. Um, something that popped into my head. And of course it's now, no. Um, <laughs> Just, you know, going, looking at the history, you know, Jay, you said they didn't all, it was just a foundry that, and they were anything that was cast iron. So, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I would tell anybody that if you have a lodge cast iron pan, go to the lodge website and take a look at the history. And, you know, you, you survived the great depression because you were, had some garden gnomes and lawn ornaments mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and just, really neat how all these things kind of came together yeah. through the years to survive. And it's it's a lot of fun to be a part of it now. Probably has been a lot of fun to be a part of it really over the last 15, 20 years. But truth be told, there were a lot of years that were very, very thin. There were a lot of years where the goal was just to make enough money to pay the employees, to pay the family and do it again the next year. And yeah. so this uh, all this success that, that we're experiencing now uh, didn't come overnight. We're, we were in the long game without any question. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's admirable and, and, and it's real. And, and that's, you know, so it's like you, you live through the depression. We just had the pandemic, you know, and it's not over yet. We're still dealing with this stuff. I'm sure that couldn't have been, you know, a whole lot of fun going through to 2020 and 2021 you know, in a manufacturing industry, you know, right. as you're doing these things. So um, very cool. I get, all right. So we're going to take the shift. Then this is, you know, the family council in your definition, why don't you guys kind of, you know, d define a family council from your perspective? Because I think every people, you know, everybody has maybe a different idea of what, what does it mean to have a family council? So there are uh, any number of articles that we read uh, in, in preparation for launching our family council. Um, and it's, you know, Lisa, I think gives, gives myself, gives me, gives the board a little too much credit when she says that we came up with this. And we had advisors all along the way. What we had identified as a threat, of course, was our succession or lack of succession planning. So we did bring in some really talented people and uh, a common thread was, what are we doing around the family to make sure that the connections are maintained with the business in a way that's, um, 
that's uh, preemptive, if you will, to make sure that all the communication is present and that the, the family feels that as we make these transitions, we're not looking at additional risk. And family council was something that came up again and again. It was something that we introduced to our shareholders doing a shareholder meeting. I had a number of family come to me after the meeting and say, I just don't get it. What is it you're trying to do? What is it you're trying to do? And the simple answer there, I think, is we're, we're trying to brace and prepare for the future. We're trying to, to take a look at what the company looks like as the current generation recedes behind the curtain and the younger generation step forward and man the helm. Um, having those open lines of communication, having some better education around what it means to be a shareholder, responsibilities that are entailed, um, and setting the right boundaries. You know, our executive team is, is a fantastic, talented bunch, and they have to be given the avenue. They have to have some roadway to do their magic. Um, so that's, I mean, for me, that's, it would be easy to throw up a Venn diagram and say, you know, here's the company executives, here's the family, and here's where they mesh. And in the middle here, you've got this wonderful thing called a family council. Uh, the truth of it is, it's not quite that easy, and it's, and it's always evolving. Um, what we, I, I think the simplest way to put it now would be the, the company, the corporation, when we have communications to share with the owners group, the shareholders in the family, those come from the corporate secretary and the chairman of the board or the CEO. When we have a wider scope, then we go, we like to take those opportunities through our family council because family council is representing not just the shareholders, but uh, all those folks we consider to be stakeholders. They'll, they're the ones in the younger generation and, and we want to prepare them. We want to help them know the story. And we want them to be just as proud as we are when the day comes for them to take a more active part in the business. So that's, that's what I think our family council is all about. Let me, before, I'm, Lisa, I'm going to come to you, hold it for just a second, because I want to, I think there's a piece here that we need to thread together for some people that may not have all of those, that, that awareness. And so through the years from, you know, from the time the business was, was started, how many branches of the family are there today? Great question. I'm going to actually, I should just defer that one to Lisa. Ah, that, Lisa is my well, there you go. family tree experts. So take so, it away, yeah. Lisa. So the founder of the company, uh, Joseph and Anna Elizabeth Harvey Lodge, they had two children. Um, so there's two main branches of the family. Um, one of those branches is extremely large. They, they had many children and those children had many children. Um, <laughs> the other side of the family is much smaller. Um, so we um, we communicate with people across a six you know six there's six generations um, family members who are are now old enough to be you know communicating I think the oldest six, sixth gen family member is 30 years old um, we have new sixth gen members being born every day uh, but the total number of people that the family council communicates with is over a hundred um, yeah you know, yeah so it's a large group um, and it's growing every day. Um, and so that's what I, I mean, the part that I would add here is the family council. It's about communication. It's about um, finding ways that you can communicate with people where they are, how they want um, with meaningful content. Um, one of the ways that I kind of tie it back is like all the child rearing experts out there in the world, they have always said, you know, you should have family dinner around the table with your family. Um, 
that's great if that works for you. But even in our tiny little family with our three children growing up, we didn't have time to sit around the table and have dinner. We're not that, we're not that family. We have three kids. They do all kinds of different activities. They're constantly going in other directions. And I spent a little bit of time, you know, feeling like a failure as a mom because I couldn't sit down and have family dinner. But what I realized is that at the core of that, what they were trying to say is you need to connect with your kids and you need to do it meaningfully. And so we did that. We made sure that we talked to them about all the little things every day so that when the big difficult conversations came up, they knew we had their back. They didn't, it wasn't uh, far into them to talk to us about things. Um, in fact, most of our kids' friends come and talk to us about those things. So um, it's really, it's about the communication. And if you extrapolate that out to you know family business, it's the same way. Um, if the only time that you reach out to your shareholders is when you need them to make a big decision or when you need to break bad news, um, that's not the right way to do it. What you wanna do is open up that framework of communication celebrate the little things, celebrate the family in addition to the business. And, and that's what we're trying to do with the council. And get, and get that engagement and keep that engagement. And uh, one of the things I would say is an early, an early dividend, if you will, of creating our family council. Um, and it, it turned the attitudes actually of a, a few of our, of our elder statesmen. Um, we brought the family council together and cousins that had grown up in states uh, distances thousands of miles apart from one another. My generation was actually the first generation not to have grown up in South Pittsburgh, not to have spent time working in the foundry between school years. And so for us, having that family council gave us really the first great opportunity to get to know one, each other, one another on a regular basis. And so a lot of the fourth generation who were asking me questions after the initial meeting, what's this all about? They came back to me later and they said, hey, I get it now. You guys know each other now and you respect each other now and, and you're able to identify where the big contributions may be coming from down the line. And you've got everybody, you've stoked a passion for this company that just wasn't there before. And so that's where we give, uh, that's where I like to give a lot of the credit to the folks that we've had on our family council. There's one more piece I wanna just kind of interject to make sure that people are catching this. Somewhere along the lines after Joseph and it was Anna, was that right? Anna, Anna Elizabeth, yep. Anna Elizabeth, they had they started this company and they had shares of the company. And it sounds like those shares were gifted to their children, right? Yeah, yeah. And they had two children. And in so fact, now, what's that? In, in fact, to this day, that's that's the most common way our shares change hands. It's it's through a gifting process. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want so what happens now is, you know, when you go from the time when Joseph and Anna Elizabeth passed and they're passing their shares on, now we have how many different owners of the business are there today? I'd say we're we're in the ballpark of about 55 owners right now. So that it's still a, a, a privately held business. Mm -hmm that you know is there's there's dividend stakeholders you know ownership shares out there of this business that how many you know how many family members are actually working in the business today approximately surprisingly few is the honest answer so i'd say we have uh at this moment um 
four, three by bloodline and one that's a spouse. So okay. four come to mind. And my apologies are going to have to go out right now if I missed anybody. But <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's about four out of, uh, you know, 500 plus employees. Well, and I'll, I'll add that working in the business is, a, a you know, a, you're saying day to day in the business. The day's answer is correct. But when you add to that, the family members who are on the board of directors, that number goes up. And when oh. you add to that, the family members who've been elected to the family council and who are actively involved in roles in that, that number goes up as well. Um, and that's kind of the benefits of these structures is that people can be involved without making it their everyday job. Yeah. And, and, the, and so it really becomes really important to paint this picture for people to say, I've been gifting my shares out to family members for generations now. And now we have owners that, you know, don't know what's going on in the business. I own something that I don't understand. I might not even have a connection to it the way that the you know people in the past have, or you know, like Jay or the other people that are on the board that have a different connection to it, or the people that are working there have a connection. There's the vast majority of the people don't. And so that's what, so now I hope that this is painting a picture for those of you who are listening to say, you know, this starts to make sense because for a lot of families, you might be passing it from one generation to the next and you're passing it from three family members to five or three family members to six or two. And, and that's a lot of what's happened in many, many family businesses. But for those, you know, that are out there where you have the, the, the success and you have large numbers happening and where the family branches off and you have been doing that for years, it gets complicated, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like yeah. and like Jay said, I mean, the key to all of that is keeping people engaged while they're not there every single day. And and that's how you maintain these large numbers of of people um with with ownership it's, shares that they you know they're not involved in the everyday business. It's and it is it's it's critical, it's crucial, it's a risk to the business, frankly. If the shares pass generation to generation, there's fewer shares, obviously, to go to each recipient. And so there's a natural dilution that, that often occurs as well. And so what you don't want to end up with is a multi-million dollar company that has a bunch of disillusioned or disconnected owners. That is not good for the company. So we're, uh, we're, we're very happy that we got the Family Council launched at the time that we did. Um, there are, of course, you know, things that you couldn't read in books at the time, things, you know, some things that we navigated that, uh, that some of which we're still navigating today, some, some roadblocks, some obstacles to get through. But um, as long as everybody's pulling in the same direction with the same end goal, which is what's best for the family, what's best for the company, then, you know, these, these things are bumps in the road. We, we get through them. We get over them. Yeah. And like to what Lisa said in the, you know, earlier, it's, you know, when's the best time to start a family council when there's no issues and we don't have Precisely. anything going on yeah. and, and, and it's easy. So Lisa, let's talk about, you know, the formation of the family council. What were some of the things, if you don't mind sharing any hiccups or things that you would have <laughs> liked to have done differently? Sure. So um, the board of directors, you know, decided this would be a great idea to do the family council. They um, pulled in a couple of family members as an interim family council with the goal of, you know, looking into this, um, 
figuring out some of the governance and the logistics of it and, um, you know, moving forward from there. So they spent um, the first maybe six months or so gathering that together. They wrote their bylaws and their charter and um, they, they started down this path. But, um, you know, I think as a hiccup point in hindsight, I don't think that anybody had a real clear idea of what the long-term end goals of it were. Um, and again, it could have been because we, we didn't have any issues we were trying to solve. So when you're not trying to work to solve an issue, it's harder to figure out where you're going. Um, so, but they did a great job in getting all the governance figured out, getting all, the, all that sorted. Um, and then they figured out an election process. Um, the family shareholders, uh, the family actually not shareholders, the family in general voted to elect the actual first elected family council members. We have a group of seven people. And um, from the beginning, you know, the elections have run, run very well. Uh, the people on there really want to be involved and do a good job. Um, the, the part where things were being held up was there was this back and forth of we don't know exactly for sure what we're supposed to do. And then even if we think we want to do things, we feel like we need to ask the board for permission for everything we want to do. And so um, I would say um, for people who are who are starting, they might consider having a board liaison person or having a board member on the family council so that when the group that's involved with the family council hits a point where they say, we better ask the, the board about this. Somebody can say, yeah, I don't think it raises to that level. Let's just move forward. Uh, it would prevent a lot of delays that we saw. Um, yeah. But we did, we did move on and we, um, we saw some of those challenges. Um, I, I saw, you know, kind of in the background, I, I sat in this really unique position because I was really intrigued by the family council and I went to all their meetings and I saw all the things they were doing. Um, but then being married to a board member, I was also hearing this murmuring off to the side of, you know, what, when are we going to see progress? What are we going to, you know, what's going to happen here? And so um, I recognized that you can empower people to talk about family all day long. If you're not talking about business matters, they can do whatever they want to do, right? So um, we jumped in, we um, uh, gathered all of the contact information for all of the family. That was key, making sure we know who we're communicating with, you know, who they are, where they live, um, all of that information. Um, we wanted to get people's attention and, and get them interested. So we created a, a digital family tree. People can log in, they can look at it, they can see biographies of family members, um, all of that kind of fun stuff that you know the family council can do. Um, in that communicating, when that happens, then we can move forward to things like helping them educate them about um, family businesses in general, not even specifically let's look at the lodge financial statement. How about let's learn to read a financial statement. Let's, um, you know, so that's what we're working on right now. We've done a lot of the family connections already. We do um, a great family newsletter. We've got a cousin who puts together our cast iron cousins um, newsletter every quarter. We celebrate family members there. We bring up upcoming birthdays. We talk about like where interesting places people have seen lodge featured like you know the campfire on survivor or the yeah. 12 days of christmas giveaway on the ellen degeneres show you know we can celebrate all that stuff together 
without any limitations. And then we can work with the board to come up with this deliverable about educating the family members about businesses in general, and then educating the shareholders about lodge business specifically. Got it. Yeah. Events planning is, is the only thing I, I would add to that list. Um, so we come together as, as we have since I was a little boy for an annual shareholders meeting. And it, it used to be in the fall, we've shifted it to the summer so that we can get younger people engaged. It used to be a single afternoon, now it's the better part of a weekend with events that our family council helps stage and, and put together. And it gives us a lot more opportunity to spend time with one another and learn more and more about the business. So the event planning piece was, was something that, uh, that got launched, I think, pretty early on. And it's grown to a point now where the executive team and the family council, the elected family council members, will hold planning meetings as we get closer and closer to the date. So there's, uh, there's a lot of value there. There's a lot of value there, for sure. When you look at the things that you've done since starting the family council, what are some of the things that surprised you the most in terms of the impact that it had that maybe you were like, oh, we're supposed to do this, but you didn't realize you were, you know, maybe it worked better than you anticipated. So from my perspective, I'd say um, I was surprised in, um, I, I went into it expecting to have a difficult time uh, communicating well with our, I call them our well-seasoned generation. So our, our older generation, we, um, I, I knew that technology might be an issue and that they might have some resistance to what was happening in the family council. And I think the rest of the family council members shared that concern. Um, I was not prepared for um, the, the difficulty communicating with the younger generation. Um, I thought we would be able to engage them a little easier. And what we found, we, we did a lot of, um, uh, you know, asking questions. What, what are we doing wrong? Why aren't you communicating with us? And um, I think what we found is that we have to recognize that people across all ages and demographics, it's not even really age related, just people in general communicate in way different ways. Um, we have these, uh, you know, 20 and 30 somethings who, all of the information that they take in in a specific day is from a handheld device in their hand. It needs to be in a format that they can find on their social media channel that gets hand delivered in front of them instead of waiting for them to go click on it. And so um, we're working on, you know, communicating more on our, you know, family Instagram channel and things like that um, for those people. Um, and then we're, you know, we're communicating with people that range from 80 years old to you know, toddlers. So um, for, the, for some people, we know the only way we're gonna get their attention is if we physically put something in the mail and send it to their address so they can go get it out of the mailbox. So we do that too. Um, so we're, we're really communicating across all spectrums. And for me, that it was interesting to see that um, there's a lot of people I thought would be really engaged who aren't. There are a lot of people I thought would never engage with us who are really active now. So um, don't, I would say don't, don't have limiting expectations, <laughs> you know, go into it with an open mind and just work every day to communicate with as many people as you can. Yeah. I, and that, just to put a little caboose on that, I think probably one of the smartest slash bravest things that our family council did was they designed uh, that engagement survey and they put it out to the entire families. They said, Hey, these are the things we've been doing 
What did you like? What did you not like? What are some other ideas that you, the family members, think we could be working on? And they really kind of started a dialogue. And it was, it was, it was a really brave thing to do on one hand, but it brought them exactly the kind of feedback that they needed to improve and to evolve and get better and better at the things they've set out to accomplish. So that how many years now has the family council been in existence? So I think we started in 2017, so, or 2016, um, so uh, six years or so. Yeah. And into our sixth year, right? Yeah. And so I, I'm going I'm to share one of my favorite phrases because I think it rings true here and I want people to hear it. Progress, not perfection, right? Yeah, <laughs> amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> I, I like to say that if your family council is doing everything you want it to do, you aren't thinking broadly you're enough. Thinking you know, big you enough, need, right? You, right. You need to, you know, it'll never be finished. And, and I recognize that there will be programs that we launch that we put a huge amount of time into um, that fall by the wayside because something new and better and bigger or different will take its place. Um, and, you know, there's not part of the problem here that we encountered is like Jay mentioned, there's not a, um, there's not a template for this. There's not the Lodge family needs to do these things because the Lodge family is different than every other family out there. So some, some big picture overview at the top of, you know, the, these are the things that make our family unique. These are our family values that we want to celebrate. Um, these are the, the, the things that we want to do that, you know, maybe another family wouldn't do. We, uh, a couple of times I've talked at the family events and people are always like, you know, give us some specific examples of things you've done. And the one that, one of the ones that makes everybody laugh is the, the annual family swim. And it's uh, during our family gathering, we all jump into the Tennessee river and we, I joke around that depending on who you are, it's either a race or it's a nice leisurely float down the river. Um, but we do that in honor of one of our, our founding family members who ran the company. And, and it was a, a running family story that he would on his lunch break he'd strip off his you know clothes and swim across the Tennessee River and back and that was his lunch break and you know get cooled off and go back in and so we celebrate that um as a family in a fun way but you know so finding ways that you can take your family history and and bring it to life for people is is uh something that you know I just think it goes a long way we've, we've got a lot of interesting things we do but there's not a template there's not somebody out there that can tell you do these five things and you're going to have a great family council it's it's navigating your family um you know some of people some of these people may already communicate with everybody in the family effectively and the communicating is not the piece but it's more about what you choose to share and celebrate um, others might need to go back to the drawing board and find those phone numbers and email addresses and figure out who lives where and all of that <clears throat> I love it. I, you know, one of the things that I want to expand upon just a little bit is that, you know, we're talking about 50 plus owners and, you know, a hundred family members. Yeah. A hundred plus. Um, hundred plus. Yeah. So, so, I mean, for some people, they just look at that and they're not going to get that. I, I have a family business. I have, you know, I'm, I'm fourth generation, I'm fifth generation. And yes, there's, you know, people that aren't, you know, we have a smaller ownership group. Here's my point about making sure we, we don't miss this is because what I've learned through the years and working with family businesses is 
even if you're not in the business, even if you don't own the business and it has stayed a small ownership share, you're part of that community somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's pride in being tied back to that. And so whether they're owners or non-owners, it's really important that we, we have that connection. We keep them apprised. We do not need to share, you know, all the ins and outs of the balance sheet and all the ins and outs of the strategy and where we're going, but big picture, here's some of the milestones so that they can be proud of it and share that while they're out in the community with other people, I think is really important. And, and like, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, and that's true. And it's, um, it also makes it easier to, to share your company successes outside the family. You know, when you talk about it inside the family and you, you, you develop this, um, this way of talking about it with pride that leads to talking about it out into the community with pride. And then that leads to, you know, the community recognizing it. Um, we are lucky. And I've said, I've said this a hundred times. It's, it's really easy to be part of, you know, pushing the, this family forward in that um, area because we've had historians that have come all along the way who have been really organized and really involved and, we've already have a lot of documented history. And so what the family council is doing now is a lot more of organizing that information and gathering um, you know, information from living family members than trying to go back and dig up a story that we don't know about. Um, but you know, at, through this process, we can share information to the company. Now that the people that are running the company are not family members, they don't have that history they don't know the people involved and it's our job to draw them into that to share it with them and and make sure that it's celebrated um lodge just announced uh, recently publicly that they're doing a, a museum in south pittsburgh tennessee so you mentioned about uh you know going and getting your your favorite cast iron skillet um you know come to come to tennessee go to the the museum later this year um come to the cornbread festival do all of that stuff, but um, all of that is possible because the family recognizes it's not just a business, it, it's it's a family with history and, and they're proud of what they've built. Yeah. When, you know, how old were your kids when you started the family council? So our oldest was um, probably 25 and okay. our youngest was a teenager, um, yeah. so. Were some of this stuff, you know, what was the impact of starting the family council on your kids? So um, they're definitely more connected to their cousins. Um, they uh, they see us, you know, part of what we do is we, we pick family members to celebrate in the newsletter and stuff like that. And um, we did this amazing video that we did for the, the uh, Women of Lodge for International Women's Day last year, where we literally um, got information about every living and past family member all the way back to the founders. Um, we learned about what jobs they have. Um, you know, my kids were just amazed that they have cousins who, who do these things, who you know are doctors and lawyers and you know teachers and nurses and um, furniture designers who you know are displayed in galleries and you know just you name it. Yeah. the family does it. And so that I think is, has been a big impact on a lot of people is like, you know, just this sense of I'm part of something that is this amazing group of people. Yeah. It, you, that's a really powerful statement. I'm part of something. And so 
you know, we teach families that, you know, you may not be ready to start a full-blown family council and that's okay. But when you're getting together on, you know, at your summer retreat, put some time in, even if it's just, you know, nine in the morning to one in the afternoon, you know, to, to put some family time in there around the business so that you can put people together. We did this one summer with a family and, uh, you know, some of the youngest, you know, mem family members are, you know, maybe six, seven, eight, somewhere in that arena. And we've put up some videos of what this family does. And this little girl says, who does that? <laughs> and so the family had to tell her, you know, we do that. And it happened to be a wrecking company. So we're, you know, this great thing of this building coming down and it was great. <laughs> and so then, you know, one of the exercises that we put together was, you know, we had some of the middle generation, we'll call them, you know, the, the rising generation that are coming into the business, um, pretend to be a building or a bridge. And then the six and seven and eight year olds come down and say, what's, you know, what would you do to take this thing? And you'd have things like, I'd use my superpower of this and I would just blow the bridge down. And, <laughs> and it really started to connect them, like you said, you know, in, in a way that was different. And some of these kids, didn't live in the town where they were doing the work any longer. And, and it was, and it changed. The other thing that they did, and I'll share it with you is that again, young kids, they would, you know, to get them started early, she would say, you know, in the last year, cause their family only gets together once a year, what did you do? And so they would set up, you know, all the kids under the age of 10 with, you know, a great big poster board with glitter and markers and crayon and paints. And they could put pictures together of what they did. And each of the kids would then come up and take a moment to say, you know, what I did. Now, I don't know if you can do that with you've got 75 young kids, you know, or 30 young yeah. kids, whatever that you are. But it was just to your point, you know, Lisa is, is the fact that there is no right or wrong. You get to write your own rules about how to do this. It's about celebrating the family. Exactly. And, and when it's not tied to specific business things, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can, you can make it how you want. I mean, one of the, one of the questions that we asked on our um, survey that went out to, to include people in the women of lodge video is um, you know, what are you most proud of in your life? And having that answer from ranges of kids we, we asked that parents work with their children to make sure the answers we got were their answers and so um and then if there were um you know that we were celebrating also the relatives who passed on and um we asked their children to write the survey how you think your your mother or your grandmother would have answered these questions and so we gathered these these amazing things about you know just the pride that people have, not in the business, but in what they did in their lives and being yeah. able to celebrate that as a family. Um, you know, it all ties back to the business because again, it's easier to have really difficult conversations with people who you know are good people who you celebrate in other ways. And so it, it does all tie back, but having having all of this connection and, and history and um, th that's really what I think the family council brings. That's just invaluable. Love it. Jay, from your perspective and from the board's perspective, here we are six years later, what are the impacts for the board? What did they, what, what does the board talk about from that, you know, about the family council now? Well, that's, um, as fate would have it, we're in the process now of nominating, uh, the next shareholder director and, uh, among the things that are being discussed 
is uh, a recognition, I think, that we have had a fair amount of exposure as a board to those people that volunteered and stepped forward to the family council. And so if it were not for that family council, uh, our independent directors specifically would really be struggling to know who's who and, and what, what perhaps types of interest, what's the level of interest, what's, what's the potential experience and skill set that these various shareholders might bring to a position on the board. Um, and we're well into that curve now because it turns out some of our best candidates have been those that were actively engaged in the family council. Not all, but a strong subset. And so, and, and that wasn't something, I wouldn't tell you that, you know, we put that into, that wasn't one of the ingredients. It wasn't an end result that we had looked at, but it is definitely a valuable result that came out of the exercise. And so... That's, uh, and I'm sure there are many other examples, but that's, that's the one that I'm spending a great deal of my time on these days. So that's the one that pops to my head. No, I, I love it. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, being on the board, whoever comes onto the board new, it's not going to be, you know, any impact on that board for three, four, five, seven, eight years. There's a lot to learn yeah. being a board member on, on a company, especially right. one as diverse and as, you know, the reach that Lodge has today. Right, right, exactly, yeah. So it's been, it's uh, every now and then I look in the mirror and I say, gosh, it's a good thing I got on the board when I did, because <laughs> I, I don't know that, I don't know that I would have passed the mustard if we'd had all of this uh, structure in place at the point where I was elected. Gosh, who knows if they even would have picked me. I'm so glad they did. <laughs> Get it. I get it. I'm on the board of a small insurance company, you know, property casualty, and the and the same thing because you're just sitting there going, "Wow, there's a you know, <laughs> New York State has an awful lot of laws for insurance companies, <laughs> and so there's a lot to learn." Exactly um, right. As Jay's champion, I'll tell you that they would absolutely elect him today and every day. He's a yeah, huge yeah. asset to the family, to the company, and 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 he's being modest there, but. Um, um, yeah, I mean, another little topic I'll throw out here um, that I don't want to miss is that, um, you know, there needs to be some recognition that this stuff doesn't just happen. It's not um, a super quick, easy thing. You should never go into this thinking that you're going to spend, you know, six months and you're going to have a functioning up and running family council um, and a recognition that, um, you know, for every little bit of uh progress that you see and that the family sees, there's tons and tons of hours of backside work. Um, so uh, Lodge does a great job. They pay a stipend to the family council members in recognition that there's a lot of time contribution there. Um, it's not, certainly doesn't you know, probably comes out to minimum wage by the time they're going to quit their regular day job to go do this. That's it's but, not like that. Right. But, yeah, but there's I mean, a small stipend. There's some other benefits. Um, they, they pay for um, the travel to the family annual family meetings. If there are additional meetings in person, those travel arrangements are paid for. So you get to have a nice, uh, you know, weekend somewhere with your cousins um, where you're focusing on work, but also getting to connect with each other. So um, having a budget for that is important. Um, 
also um, the, the board has agreed to fund some educational um, expenses for members of the family council in recognition that, you know, family business conferences are a great source of information for people who are in these roles. There's no better way to get information than, you know, sitting here listening to this podcast or going and meeting other family members who are doing this every day. So um, those conferences have been invaluable to me. And, and it's great that the company is willing to pay, you know, the family council members to do that. Um, and then the biggest thing is just the, you know, the, the, kudos and saying, you know, you guys are making a difference that, you know, that goes a long way. The recognition that what you're doing is appreciated by the family, by the board, by the company, um, you know, that it's important to continue to make sure that that happens and not focus on what hasn't been done right, you know, work towards that, but um, celebrate all those things that do work well. <clears throat> Love it. No, and thank you for sharing that because I, I think it's it's hard to envision what does this look like for the business side as well as for you know the family side. So, if you could go back ten years ago, before the family council started, and you can now reimagine all of the you know what what you've been through and you're now advising other families, um, what, are some, you know, what are some of the advice that you would share with other families that are in similar positions? They may not be in exact, you know, nobody's gonna be in exactly the same position as you, but multiple family members, multiple generations, multiple ownership levels. What do you get, what is, what, what's your advice? So my, my first blush at that would be, um, again, look big picture um, and think about what are, the, what are the goals for you? Is it more important for you to, um, oh, well, and assess where you are. You, know, you can't really start a big project like this without knowing where you stand now. So um, are we a company who does not even know all of the relatives in the family? Um, are we a company that cares who those relatives are? Um, who do we want to communicate with? Um, and what is our goal? Um, you know, I've been really lucky that Lodge has been very inclusive. That another thing we talk about regularly at family conferences is our spouse is going to be included um, in the Lodge family. It has been historic that you know family spouses are involved and included. Um, in fact, all the way back to that second generation, it was, uh, you know, a spouse of the daughter of Joseph and Anna Elizabeth Harvey Lodge, who was instrumental in running the company. So um, assess, you know, your company, who's involved, uh, how much information you know about them, um, and then uh, really be honest about who is willing to take on a role to to make it better and how much you're willing to invest in making that happen. Um, and then what goals you're working towards. It's, you know, it's all just a big project plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but when you said that the uh, everybody's probably, or if you're not familiar with Simon Sinek, you know, start with why, right? Yeah. <laughs> why am I doing this? What is the purpose behind all this? And if we understand that, then at least you've got a target to work back from. Right. Yeah. And I, I would add to that, um, because it's still something I think we struggle with a little bit, is put some thought into where the different silos of responsibility are going to be. 
and and create some clarity around that you know and where we finally landed i think is is where we need to be which is business and shareholder communications are not the purview of the family council that's coming from the board that's coming from your ceo um, things like business education uh, event planning uh, business uh, you know, opportunities in the business, you know, all of those things, everything that the family might have an opinion on is the purview of the family council and how these things kind of mesh together. It's going to be worth your time investment, I think, to really explore that with a couple of different examples and say, well, which, which silo might this fall into? Would, would this be a family council matter? Would this be a board matter? Um, get some clarity around that. But recognize you're going to make some mistakes and be willing to make those mistakes and learn from those mistakes. But um, yeah, well, so and, and right, like all the way back to that beginning comment of something that went wrong right from the beginning, um, not having a board member directly involved for us, um, keep things where they belong, but also make sure that they're all constantly running in, you know, alongside each other well, because, you know, an example I can throw out there is if a family member changes their email address. How many people are they going to have to notify, you know, for the family council, for the shareholder, you know, secretary, for the company? Um, the best way to make that happen is to know, um, you know, when people make changes to certain things, they have one source of um, communication and it just magically happens. And that's, you know, really easy to say, a lot harder to do. Um, but I think we're getting there and, and um you know, that's, it's important to know, keep things separate, but, but make sure everybody's all working together for the same end goal. Love it. We have been joined by Lisa and Jay Daniel. Um, you guys are wonderful. Thank you for sharing everything that you did. <laughs> Cannot wait for uh, people to be able to dive into this. Um, thank you for joining us, everybody. My name is Michael Columbus. I'm with Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. And make sure you hit on that subscribe button so that you can get future episodes of the Family Biz Show. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with the Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.